I would like to share the word of God with you this morning. We will be reading uh, Nahum 1 through 9. But the book of Nahum is one of the several books that we have been studying for the last month and a half. Now into our seventh week in the Minor Prophets. We believe that Minor Prophets in the Bible are those who had a very short document. Not a very large document. That's why they're called Minor Prophets. They weren't little, little tiny people. They were just wrote short. That's why they're called Minor Prophets. Today is Nahum. Uh, Nahum is a, is a very interesting prophet because Nahum also prophesies to the people of Nineveh. Remember Nineveh? And who was the friend that, that, that went to Nineveh with a very sucky attitude to go preach at the Ninevites? Jonah. He didn't like them people. He didn't like those people. He said, those people don't deserve God. Because God is only for me, myself, and I, and the Jews. Not for them people. So he went, he got in trouble for that. And he went and he preached the the gospel to, to, I mean, not the gospel, obviously. He preached and taught about God, the God of the Old Testament, to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites, to his surprise, all converted from top to bottom. Including, the scripture says, even the animals were also in, in, in repentance in that story. Let's move forward 150 years. Jonah has preached 150 years ago. Nineveh is now the capital of this wonderful empire called Assyria. And they have abandoned God. It happens. How many of us grew up with a very fervent faith? How many of us perhaps did not grow up with a very fervent faith? And at some point, we adopted the faith of God. And then life took over a route of its own, and we became kind of aloofed, apart, and aside from God. And eventually, we tend to forget God to the point that we don't even think it exists. That's personal. (laughs) You see? Because we no longer find God relevant in our politics, in our business, in our relationships, in our lives. So did you know that basically what happened in Nineveh was that they chose to continue a life without God? But I want to read to you the first few scripture passages of the book of Nahum. Because even though Nahum is prophesying and the whole book is a prophecy against Nineveh, and perhaps against Judah, because what happened to Nineveh may happen to Judah, and historically we know it happened. They did not take heed, and they did not stop being idolatrous. They did not stop being unjust with their own people, unfair and and unequitable with their own people. They did not stop false worship. What is false worship? We define false worship, that worship that is void of your passions, that is void of your feelings, that is void of your dedication. Other gods had taken that passion, that dedication, that enthusiasm. So listen to the words of the Lord as he speaks to Nahum in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This is the message concerning Nineveh came as a vision. It came as a vision to Nahum, who lived in Elkosh. The Lord is a jealous God, filled with vengeance and rage. He takes revenge on all who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. 
The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great. He never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and in the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. All his command, at his command, the ocean dry up. The rivers disappear. The lush pastures of Basham and Carmel fade. And the green forest of Lebanon withers. In his presence, the mountains quake. The hills melt away and the earth trembles. And its people are destroyed. Who can stand before his fierce anger? Who can survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire and the mountains crumble to dust in his presence. The Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. The word of the Lord. Interesting how the passage begins with a, with, with a statement saying, listen to this. The Lord is jealous, God, filled with vengeance and rage. Oh, this is an angry God. Can you imagine? Actually, in the original language, it literally says that he, he's fuming like a bull, fuming anger and fuming heat and fire. That's the imagery in the old Hebrew. He's literally huffing and puffing because his creators, his loved ones, have just gone crazy and done everything evil under the earth. Even not only on nature, but even against themselves and against God. In the minor prophets, we see this theme over and over again. People who are created by God, abandoning God. People who God is giving all for them, leaving God behind. People who God provided, protected, and preserved, leaving God behind and forgetting all about God. The name of Nahum actually means comfort. You see, in proclaiming to the city of Nineveh in Assyria, he was trying to tell them, Repent, there is hope for you guys. But there was no chance. They kept on in their own ways. Notice that many of the prophecies from the minor prophets, I'm going to remind you of this, please be reminded that even though there were 12 prophets, they were prophesying through a period of 300 to 350 years. So Nahum And Jonah, even though they were prophesying to the same people in Nineveh, they were prophesying to different people. Because there was a different generation there. There was a different generation in Judah and Israel when the other prophets were prophesying. So each prophecy is contextualized and is given to a particular people in a particular time in a particular place. But the message seems to be the same. Don't have other gods besides myself. God says, don't forget about your neighbors and worship rightly. That's the message. However, Nineveh, who had gone away and was no longer part of that covenant family, abandons. And basically, in in Nahum's prophecy, there are two elements. 
There are the people who decide to live with God and the people who decide to live away from God. Now, there are people in between who think they're with God, but they're not. But we won't deal with those today. If you're one of those, well, take a number. Today we're going to contrast those who live with God and those who live away from God. You see, in verse 7 we say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. This statement is repeated, is confirmed and emphasized throughout scripture over 88 times. We read only in the Old Testament, the Lord is good. Let me read you just some of those uh, witnesses. But I'm going to use only one of the many witnesses of Scripture who after a whole life with God, after walking with God, after getting away from God at times, they come back and they can say, the Lord is good. Listen to just one witness. And he's going to say all of these things. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. And that was just in four of the Psalms. The witness of Scripture that God is good is always proclaimed. But people choose because they think that they can do better than God. The second thing that shouts out a lot in that scripture is the idea, oh, what is this? Sin day. Oh, a day without, a whole week without God. Did you read that? So you weren't listening to what I was saying. (laughs) Let me give you some time for that. The second idea that glimpses, that jumps out of the entire prophecy of gloom and despair, yet the glimmers of hope come through, is the idea that not only is the Lord good, but he is a strong refuge when trouble comes. Listen to the same witness. I'm just going because I don't have a lot of time. So I'm just going with short witnesses that are proclaiming that not only is the Lord good, but he's a strong refuge when trouble comes. It says, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be lost or condemned. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. And let me tell you what happens. It finishes saying, and I can trust him. God is good. But you begin to discover God's goodness when you begin to discover that you can trust him. And as you savor, as you flavor the goodness of God, what happens is you begin to trust him more and more. Cada día con Cristo me llena de perfecta paz. Have you heard that before? Have you? 
Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I won't ruin it. But that's what they experience. You've heard it, right? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You know why? Because it is the life of live with a toy maker. We are the toys. He is a toy maker. He knows how to make us crank. We think we do. No. So what happens is, listen to it. This I declare about the Lord, says the psalmist. He alone is my refuge. And because I know that I am safe, I can trust him. And the third element in the text is that precisely one. He is close to those who trust him. Let me remind you of that first verse and contrast it because it is big difference. The verse, the, the whole text begins, the Lord is a jealous God filled with vengeance and rage. He takes revenge on all those who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. Versus, the Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. Which one of those do you feel closer to? Which one of those do you want to gravitate to? So stop opposing God. That's the difference. In one verse is the Lord what is it? The Lord is jealous, filled with anger against those who oppose him. And the reason why we tend to oppose God is because we don't trust him. Does that make sense? The more you know God and God's good, goodness, the more you'll be able to lean and trust. Leaning is what trust means in the original. Being able to be safe. Being able to be secured. That though the mountains will fall and, and we hear the entire prophecy of gloom and darkness and despair and desolation and destruction. He is good to those who seek him as a refuge. To those who actually trust in him. Look at that image. If you can't see the image very carefully, I am going to put it up again right before the service. Because as you get closer to that image, it is the image of a lighthouse in the middle of a hurricane. But there is this little figure. It's very tiny because the big thing is the hurricane and the, cat and, and the lighthouse. But this little man, this little tiny man who's at the door. And guess what he's doing at the door? Relaxing and drinking his cup of coffee. That's what that little thing is doing at the door. Why? He trusts God. He knows that God is his refuge. He knows that God is good. And those who are in trouble can find refuge in God. And when you know that God is good and God can be your refuge, guess what happens? You can begin to trust. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. But we need to pick. You need to choose. You need to make that decision. Are you going to be in the judgment? Because when the judgment comes, are you going to be in the side of those who don't trust and oppose God in every way? Or will you be in those who know that God is good, that God is your refuge, and that you can trust him? Amen.